Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This podcast is supported in part by the Bertha Foundation. Hey, Lewis, how are you? Well, Dan, how are you? Excellent, excellent. Uh, we have got a whole bunch of new Patreon supporters this week. I want to give them a big shout out. James Smith, who is a fellow board member at FBI Radio with me, we started where, where we started Irrational Fear. Thank you, James. Ben Gittens, Rob Bartlett, and Lewis. Next mm. week marks the first anniversary of us starting our Patreon, uh, and I, we had we started with the goal of being able to pay for our editor, which is we've done, which is great. Now I'd like to see if we can get enough patrons to pay for uh, a holiday. No, uh, to, <laughs> pay, <laughs> to pay for drugs. No, 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 to pay for a video producer to help us make videos with us. So if you are into what we do, please chip in on the Patreon. You you may you may remember back in twenty fourteen. We ran a possible campaign and we raised fifty thousand dollars to to make thirteen weeks of digital video content during the election, uh, and we spent every single cent of that. It was great doing it's, that. It's the first time I've ever had a chance to go bankrupt. It was a thrill. For me. <laughs> it was like, well, we've got this money. We need to spend it on making content on the internet. Yeah. That's a good investment. <laughs> um, well, it's election season coming up and it would be great to do the same. But, you know, video is way more expensive than audio. So if you thought about becoming a Patreon supporter, now's a good time to chip in uh, for as little as you like, a dollar or $3. We have some guy paying us $500 a month, which is ridiculous. Big thanks to David O'Connor for that. Are you ready to start the show, Lewis? I'm ready, Dan. I'm recording my end of Irrational Fear on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation. Sovereignty was never ceded. We need a treaty. Let's start the show. Irrational Fear contains naughty words like Brexit, Canberra Fair Dickum, and Section 40. Irrational Fear recommends listening by immature audiences. 
Tonight, as an independent, Craig Kelly says he will vote on his conscience. However, Kelly understands the word conscience means con-science. And the 1st of April will see JobKeeper increase by just $25 a week. Scott Morrison hopes everyone on the program will enjoy his April Fool's Day joke. And at an International Women's Day event, Scott Morrison reflects on bungling the biggest scandal to come out of Canberra as a husband and as a father. It's the 26th of February, 2021. We've struck a deal with Facebook. This is Irrational Fear. Irrational Fear! Welcome to Rational Fear. I'm your host, disgraced former elite athlete Dan Illich. And joining us tonight are some incredible fear mongers. He grew a comb over in order to foster a look that says former scout leader, but instead of cutting it off, to, he settled for a look that says reformed murderer. It's the co creator of Ronnie Chang's International Student and co host of The Sweetest Plum, Declan Faye. Thanks for joining us. I'm very sad. If I had known you were going to mention it, I would have kept it. It's gone. I had a comb over. You know, when people went a bit strange during the lockdown, when Melbourne hit that second lockdown, I thought I need to set a goal for myself. And I set a goal to grow a comb over. And it's really hard to get it to get all the way across. My uncle has a comb over and you look just like my uncle. (laughs) Well... It, it, the combination of a lockdown, not much natural light, plus the comb over had started to make me look like a very ill old man. And um, then my partner said to me at one stage, uh, she said, I'm just, I'm concerned this is having an adverse effect on our relationship. <laughs> so I decided it had to be shaved. It's gone. And our next guest has over 2.5 million likes on TikTok. We can't wait to ask her what is TikTok? You may know her as How to Delete One for the purpose of us boomers here on the podcast. We'll call her Emily Johnson. Welcome. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. Now, what is it like to be one of the most influential people on TikTok in Australia? I mean, I don't think I'm influential. I think I'm I'm just the anti-troll of TikTok. <laughs> and finally, it's a man who is yet to receive his free Kia. It's Lewis Hobber. Honestly, I wake up every morning, I I run downstairs like a kid at Christmas, and I say, Kia, Kia today, and still no Kia. I mean, frankly, if, if Hamish Blake can't get me a Kia, who can? I emailed Hamish Blake throughout the week and I said, thanks for doing the show. Sadly, Kia didn't give us any Kias. And he said, oh, that's interesting. They sent me three. So, (laughs) (laughs) Have you noticed Kias have gotten – it's going to be harder for you to get one because Kias have tried to go cool. They used to be the dorky family car that the guy would be like, look, if you can't afford a kind of Toyota, maybe do you want to see the Kia? And he'd say it like kind of like, you know, he was showing you a dirty nappy. But during the uh, Australian Open – they're all kind of really cool and the ads are like these sort of, they're all doing like spins and kind of burnouts. They've tried to rebrand them. That's me. I'm a bad yeah. boy. I'm the bad boy <laughs> of family wagons, you know. Yeah. I'd be the perfect influencer for Kia. I'm not very rich. I'm dangerous. I break down emotionally. You know, I'm just like a Kia. 
You're a guy that says I can do I can do burnouts with six kids in the car. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Coming on the podcast, we talk with the creative director of one of Israel's longest running progressive parties, and we'll ask him what's it like to know you're going to lose another election. But first, here's a message from our sponsor. This episode of Irrational Fear is brought to you by Michaelia Cash's Dobbin a Dole Bludger Hotline. If you know someone who is earning hard earned money from taxpayers and is refusing to do their job, just call. 1-800-DOLE-BLUDGER. Michaelia Cash's Doll Bludger Hotline. Yeah, hi. I saw a man taking taxpayers' money and completely refusing to do any work. Yes. Uh, do you have his name and job? Yes, his name is Scott Morrison. He's the Prime Minister. Uh-huh. He just gives all the jobs to the state premiers to do. It is so unfair. Mm-hmm. Someone who actually wants the job could be doing the job heaps better. Right. And what's your name? My name, yeah. Anthony Al- Albert Sneezy. Hmm. 1-800-DOLE-BLUDGER. Because there's nothing more Australian than dobbing in your mates. Well, First Fear, it is sponsor-related, but it's not exactly sponsored content. The government has announced this week they're going to be goddamn heroes and increase the job seeker payment by $3.60 a day. Oh, good. Oh, that's almost a cup of coffee in a capital city. Uh, the government is establishing also establishing a hotline to dob in unemployed Australians who refuse job offers. Now, this does not bode well for me. I had perfectly good reasons not to go on Celebrity Big Brother in 2012. I, I just don't want to have to explain it to my mum and Centrelink. Uh, Fearmongers, have you ever had a job offered to you that you didn't want to take? Deck? Oh, I mean, I work in the entertainment industry, so every job I've had to take along the way I didn't want to take at some stage. <laughs> I've done numerous jobs I didn't want to take. Anytime somebody rings, you know what the you know what the big job is? It's not actually like a company offering it to you. It's when your mate rings and said, oh, I just could you just help me for a few hours tomorrow, move house? <laughs> and you know that that few hours is, you know, you know that that's stretching into six, seven, eight. We're going into 12 hours. It's akin to can you pick me up from the airport? It's the two greatest pressures you can ever put on a friendship. That's actually yeah. a great, like, uh, mate for the doll would be a great scheme. You just <laughs> you set up all those, all those jobs, put them on a list. So, like, pick me up from the airport, help me move house. Uh, all like, I need someone to uh, help me move a fridge. Any of those things. Can you pick up a six pack for the party and just yeah. um, farm them out? Uh, to doll to doll workers. It's actually perfect because the, this government is obsessed with those kind of Aussie mateship things. So if they put in a thing where you suddenly get extra on your doll, like work for your mate on the doll, people would absolutely love that. Like you could imagine, imagine Scott Morrison just coming over that. <laughs> Emily, have you ever had to um, take a job you didn't want to take? Yes, I did. After uni, I was in a job network. Um, and they got me to work at Coles. It didn't last very long. I remember I'd, I was I was in the deli. I'd actually locked, boxed myself in the, the deep freezer with a forklift. <laughs> and I kind of stood there and I was like, it's time to leave. <laughs> yeah. So, Were you I, driving I, the forklift? It was one of those, it's not, I don't even know what it's called. It's like a pallet oh, jack. Like a it's called a pallet jack. It was like jack. mechanic. Yeah. It, yeah. It yeah. Was, I had controls to move it around and I'd, I'd manoeuvred myself into a corner. 
It's so I worked at Franklin's, which is another supermarket of a bygone era, and I remember being so driven to to tears after every shift. Like if I if someone if my boss dobbed on me for not turning up to work through this do, this 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 phone call, I don't know what I'd say. What do I explain to Centrelink that it was crushing my soul and I didn't want to do it anymore? Is can I please have three dollars sixty extra a day? A lot of my uh, like uni work was at uh, as a waiter at a lot of Italian restaurants in Melbourne, um, and the rumors are true. The people who run them. Um, they like having a cash business for whatever reason. You know what I mean? If I had a dobbed on them, I'd be in the ground. Like I'd be wearing concrete boots if you don't want a Melbourne restaurant. Yeah. ACTU President Michelle O'Neill, among other people, are really concerned that this could be open to exploitation. Can, can you see how this, this dob and a dob ledger could be exploited oh, for your own nefarious needs? The government have been so fantastic at handling any kind of administration or bureaucracy of people that are <laughs> on Centrelink. I can't see this going wrong at all. Like, don't you think that after robo-debt, um, after kind of multiple inquiries into this, after all the stuff that happened with that, wouldn't you just stay away from any kind of administering this? Well, maybe RoboDebt, that's their new job. Maybe RoboDebt is, uh, is, is on to the dole phone call now. So they, they've been repurposed because every robot needs a job. Uh, yeah. you, you, instead, when you call up, you actually have to talk to Alexa uh, to, <laughs> to dob in I a dole. Ledger. This isn't so much a joke, but I did when it's the, on the same day that they announced it and they had that thing that you just said that robots to, um, it sent a link to employ robots to check on admin or dull bludgers. And it was the same day that Daft Punk retired. <laughs> and I thought that is a very odd career trajectory for Daft Punk. <laughs> yeah, mate, I just want to dob on my worker. He's uh, He quit because he couldn't stack harder, faster, taller. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very, very good. Uh, what other hotlines do you think this uh, government should actually invest in? Maybe um, a mishandle a scandal hotline? Uh, press one yeah. to reflect on an issue like a father. Press two uh, to reflect on an issue like a husband. Press three mm-hmm. to reflect on a scandal like a Sharkies fan. You could, you could t- you get any of the politicians to um, answer it and it could be like an anti-phone sex line. Like anytime you're horny <laughs> and you want to make sure you're not horny, you just call like the government and just immediately it's just a huge boner killer. You're just like, oh, God. Ugh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, good. I'll go home. Irrational fear. Here at the Hungry Jack's drive-thru, the burnout continued as the vehicle left a trail of black rubber. It's understood the driver ordered a soft-serve ice cream at Hungry Jack's, but when they didn't have any, he was angry and did the burnout. This is a rational fear. This week's second fear. Facebook likes, looks like it's bringing news back to the platform, which is a complete shock to de-radicalised boomers who are just adjusting to reading to the news on the printed page again. I don't know about you, but I've actually felt better. In the case of my Facebook feed, no news is great news. My friends from school have kind of stopped posting about Pauline Hanson and instead posting about gardening, and that is a net win for me. If you are confused as to what this whole thing is all about, what is going on here, the winners and the losers, we've got a bit of an explainer on how the Media Bargaining Code works, put together by one of the friends of the podcast. So why isn't there any news on your Facebook news feed? Here's a quick explainer by me, Rupert Murdoch, Lieutenant General of the News Corp and Assorted Expeditionary Forces. Now, Mark Zuckerberg owns a website, Facebooks, and Google owns a website called 
Google's and their websites own the data of all Australians who use it, which means they know what you want before you do. They're really good at selling advertising. I own newspapers that are really bad at selling advertising, and those newspapers own the Australian government, and the Australian government makes laws. So one day, on a whim, I thought, geez, Louise, we're bad at selling ads. Not everyone wants 60-month interest-free deals for electrical, computers, furniture, bedding and flooring from Harvey Norman. Some people want magnetic lashes, leggings that make your bum pop and other bullshit. We have no idea. But then I said to myself, Rupert, you own a perfectly good government. It's just sitting there doing nothing. Maybe you can get them to force the blokes with the websites that are good at selling ads to give us money. Then I called the government to my house. By private jet, made them pay for it. And I said, hello, government man. I forget their names. I've had a lot of staff turnover lately. If you still enjoy being the government, can you do this? And they said, we do still enjoy being the government boss, yes. And yes, we can do that. Now, the websites that are good at selling ads have to, by law, give me money. And the best part about it, Googles and Facebooks give the money straight to me, tax-free, and we wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, why start paying tax now? Some journalists would say, oh, but there's no way to guarantee that money will be invested in new journalism. Well, none of those journalists work for me. I don't hire journalists. Oh, and news is coming back to your Facebook feeds very soon. Mark said to the government he only wants to pay us money if he feels like it. Well, I respect that. At the end of the day, Facebook, Google and I all agree that we're not going to pay any money to the Australian government. Because why would you? They're a bunch of cowards. So how do you folks feel about this? Emily, how do you feel about news coming back to your Facebook feed? I'm ecstatic. I was devastated when it was all gone. What? Because it's it's a part of what I do, like tr- go, tr- like shuffling through the comment section for that perfect, like bigoted bogan from Queensland, <laughs> going off about you know, kick him out if you don't like it, leave. And I'm like, this is gold for me. See, so you, you, it actually fuels your work. You're missing it because it actually the comments actually are fuel for mm-hmm. your your creative oeuvre. Yeah, and, I mean, people like to turn a blind eye and say that Australia is so progressive, this and that, and it's like, take a look at the comment section on Facebook. That's Australia right there. You're warming your hands on just the garbage fire of democracy. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Bring it back. I mean, I don't I, – The only, literally the only person I know who posts on Facebook is Dan. <laughs> so, um, uh, really, it's the same as just getting a text from Dan. I, I'm, I haven't missed it. <laughs> it was very peaceful for a few days. Like I kind of you know that eerie feeling when you're at school and you were like year nine and year ten and the senior kids were away for some reason and it's like there's this kind of eerie calm that hangs over everything and you know it can't last. You know your place in the pecking order. You know your mum is going to start tagging you in sort of cute cat photos uh, from 10 years ago all over again. It was this 
I really liked it. I won't be going back there. I don't need to. I don't need to see uh, that bin fire for a while. But there are like um, Emily. There are so many other platforms you you can harvest comments from. What is it about Facebook comments that, that you can't get from I other think social it's media? Because it, it, the, the the audience on there. The, I, I'm not trying to bag on people, but it's like the the common people. <laughs> or like, you know what I mean? Like everyone's like random uncle or whoever that has an iPad logs onto his Facebook. You know what I mean? Like that's their source of information as well. So they're not very, they're not exposed to other media. So they just eat it up. Yeah. And you know, in 2016, when I, I hitchhiked from Hobart to Elia Beach for the election, I interviewed people in the car on the way. And I have to say people at the top of the country and the bottom of the country were all heavily into Facebook and all got their information, their news from Pauline Hansen's Facebook page. She was the oh. main she was the main purveyor of, of information for them. Like they didn't they don't pick they don't follow any other news service. They'd followed Pauline Hansen to get their news. And it's like it's so strange. Like this is such a force. It's, it would be such a shame to have that back. Can't I mean Facebook has been renowned for de- destroying democracies around the world. Can't they just do something right, protect our democracy, shut themselves down for the good of the country? When, it, when everyone did start going down, it was a bit of a um, – there was like a sense of popularity contest as well. Like the people who got taken down were important and if, you're, if you remained, you were a loser. <laughs> like if you, had, if you had a Facebook page that purported to do news and you were allowed to – like what that said is you don't matter. No one is, in, no one is invested <laughs> to you, in you. No one is listening to you. Uh, it, was, uh, it was interesting to kind of see people go, oh, I guess I'm still up. I guess I'm irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, the equivalent of the podcast that I do. We a couple of times have been worried about defamation just because of things you say at the spur of the moment. And I asked my partner, who is a lawyer and who has worked in defamation law, she would listen to it and I'd say, what do you think? Is this defamation? And she'd say, technically it is, but people will need to prove a large reputational damage <laughs> and there's no way that your podcast qualifies as that. Burn. <laughs> like nothing, a, a legal burn from a partner is devastating. You're like, I oh, check. There's no way to come back from it. it. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's equal parts relief and equal parts of devastation. I really loved uh, the week before Facebook ban on Facebook, the, the top 10 posts that were getting the most engagement, top 10 overperforming posts were Seven News, Seven News, ABC, Batuta, SBS, The Chaser, ABC News and Seven News. And then uh, the next week, the top 10 posts were Batuta, 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 The Chaser, The Chaser, Batuta, Penrith Panthers, Batuta. (laughs) (laughs) Irrational fear. We will have consumers who will miss out on accessing quality news journalism. We understand that ACT Health Queensland Health, South Australian Health, Dementia Australia, the Kids Cancer Project and Bowel Cancer Australia have all been affected. A rational fear. Third fear for the week. Opposition leader Zach Kirkup has done a candid interview with the West Australian lead up to the Western Australian election, basically basically conceding the election two weeks out before the election date. This is the headline splashed across the West Australian today. I accept 2020 is not my time, which is what I say to myself after I've pitched a rational fear to every TV network in the country this year. So uh, fear mongers, what do you think of this strategy, Lewis, to come out there and say, basically, I'm going to lose in a couple of weeks? Well, every politician does this in every election. It's just that this is the only time you believe it. Like it, it, <laughs> the, 
Australians <laughs> love the underdog. So before every election, everyone is kind of going, no, I guarantee I'm going to lose. It's the opposite to every country. And I, it's one of my favorite things about Australian democracy. No one wants you to believe in them. And, uh, and we shouldn't. And then eventually they disappoint us. And we're like, well, we shouldn't have believed in you to, be, to begin with. But this is the first time that someone has said, oh, it could, I don't think this is my year. And you're like, well, no, no one does. <laughs> Emily, would you vote for Zach with a phrase like this? Uh, I think it is. It's good. Like it's reverse psychology. Like being like, you know, I'm not going to win. Oh, like you should pity me. Pity vote me. Yeah, it's like the person, like the person who studies heaps in year twelve, and then goes, "I haven't studied." Uh, and so yeah, when they do incredibly in the exam, they're like, "Oh, did I do well? Oh, I don't know. I didn't even try." I did find it interesting. Though. I mean, my two thoughts on this was one is that I, I, I follow politics. I'm pretty deep in politics. I've gone down some dark political rabbit holes on social media. I didn't know that the opposition leader in Western Australia was called Zach Kirkup until you <laughs> sent me this article, Dan. I swear to God. And Zach, Kirk, no one's going to win with the name Zach Kirkup. It sounds like the kind of noise you make when you're choking on something. <laughs> yeah, the most famous West Australian should really run for this job. Hot dogs should be running for the Liberals. That, there's a leader. Hot dogs could get us get people's votes. Election up late. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it takes the pressure off, that's for sure. I mean, everything's kind of a nice surprise. Oh, we gained a seat. Not bad. Uh, you remember when I said it wasn't our time? But look, we, we did better than we thought. The current status is Labor has got 40 seats. Liberals have got 13. So Labor is pretty much entrenched. Uh, I don't, there's absolutely no way they're going to move that. He said this on a podcast earlier today. I'm throwing myself on the barbed wire so I can get as many of them across the fence as possible. <laughs> I just think that is why, why is he why is he even running? Why is why is Zach Kirk even running? It sounds like he's actually kind of getting off on it in a way. Like he's getting a kind of mild sexual thrill over how badly he's gonna lose. I'm bad. Tell me I'm a bad politician. <laughs> One great clip of the week I just want to play for you now. Uh, it is uh, it is a woman getting the first COVID-19 vaccine sitting next to Scott Morrison. Ready for vaccine. <laughs> Very good. <Yeah>. <laughs> Always front. Always front. <laughs> I just love that. So the woman, uh, uh, Scott Morrison, asks her to do V for vaccine. He does the peace sign. She tries to do the peace sign and then then, then moves her hand around to do the up yours sign. Then he immediately grabs her mm. and tries to stop her from doing anything for the cameras long after it's far too late for those images to go viral. <laughs> this is inc- what an incredible image for this week. That was the most perfect bit of vision. It- the only way, the only way that would have got shared more was if he had have grabbed her even a tiny bit harder and she had have actually died as he grabbed her. <laughs> like, can you imagine? That's what I thought. Like, she, she's quite frail. She's just had an injection. Everybody knows you don't want anybody within kind of 10 metres of you when you've had an injection. And he just wraps her up. I really, because she, she looks quite frail and her fingers are quite sort of, you know, they're just, she's quite old. And I just, I really worried for how she felt after he grabbed her. This is a really interesting moment um, this week because all the leaders of the major parties were all meant to get their vaccine at the same time the day after this. So what Scott Morrison did was he called a press conference 
the day before everyone was meant to get it together just so that he could be the first. He actually staged up this entire moment. Uh, and now in a week where, you know, three liberal staffers are accusing mm. uh, uh, accusing somebody of sexual assault, do you think this is a good look for a prime minister to be grabbing an old lady, Emily? No way. I mean, she, and the thing is, like, was the horse had already bolted and now you just look like a total, like, aggressive creeper. And he's always grabbing people's hands. He can't stop mm. grabbing people's hands. Oh, he's done is, it, like, twice that, now. That is so true. I, I totally forgot about, about the bushfires. When With no, the bushfires. No, where nobody wanted to like, shake no. his hand and everyone was a, had this aversion to Scott Morrison. And he's really forcing himself upon the electorate in a very literal way. The other part of that story, it, to put into context why she was looking so confused at this, uh, that he was grabbing her hands, is she did a follow-up interview later on in the day and they were like, they said, how was it to get your uh, injection with the Prime Minister? And she said, oh, the Prime Minister wasn't there. And then they said, <laughs> no, the man next to you was the Prime Minister. And she went, oh, oh, right. Well, oh, I didn't realise that. They said he was going to be around, but I didn't know who he was. And so she had no idea who the strange man grabbing no. her hand was. But yeah, who that did is- she think he was then in that <laughs> <Who knows>? moment? <laughs> yeah. Uh, in her in her defence, she still thinks the prime minister is Robert Menzies. So it's uh, a <laughs> rational fear. This is a rational fear. Joining us now is the creative director of Merits, one of Israel's most left parties, and he's uh, he's kind of only a few weeks out from election. So we thought we'd take the moment to try to understand what is Israeli politics all about. Omri Marcus, thanks for joining us on Irrational Fear. Oh. Sorry, I thought that you will explain to me what all Israeli politics is all about <laughs> <laughs> for the last 10 years. <laughs> well, we were hoping that you could tell us, you know, Australian comedy podcasters in less than a sentence, you know, what, what, how does Israeli politics work? <laughs> well, it's, it's not that much of a difference from your system. It's also a coalition that is based on a, a couple of parties that are... Uh, um, building a coalition and they are choosing the prime minister um, but it's not working that well in Israel so for the last two years we've been uh, going to vote four times this is going to be the four round of elections uh, in less than two years wow you ch- you have more elections than we have prime ministers that's incredible I know and the problem we are also similar in the fact how important our labor parties are uh, we are actually <laughs> Merit is not one of the uh, leading uh, left-wing parties in Israel. We are the only Labour Party in Israel, and which is kind of like it's a pity when where there are around 16 or 17, 17 uh, uh, parties, we are the only left-wing Liberal Party. It's a dying species. It's us and the dinosaurs. So how do you, I mean, how, how, like, how do you try to cut through to kind of change people's minds on on politics in a place like Israel? Well, listen, the, the only way we can win is if, if they will switch the system uh, from voting into raffle. So we need to... <laughs> uh, you're, you must be an inspiration to your followers, Omri. You're more of an inspiration than the uh, state Labor, but the state opposition leader in WA who said... Uh, He's not going to win and no one should vote for him. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm thinking that maybe there is kind of like a world pandemic that is happening to Labour parties 
that it's kind of like they feel like it's not their year, even though you know everything is collapsed and still they are not able to show that they are the alternative. But you know, I mean, since so limited resources, we need to think outside of the box of how you can stand out among you know 17 other parties out there. And and we came up with a lot. We we are mostly working on using free media, so we are creating a lot of stunts and gimmicks, so we will be noticed. Our first campaign was about uh, we we put a, a campaign on Tinder, uh, where eighteen of eighty of our uh, supporters switched their profile pictures into uh, our slogan, which is "You can count on us. We won't run away the morning after." And <laughs> uh, you remember you swipe right and you regret it. That's kind of like a uh, slogan. And then we did a nice where we put uh, on uh, uh, Amazon boxes of people where they used to get their uh, boxes. Uh, we put a nice sticker of us saying, you know what you are getting with us. Uh, <laughs> so everybody that got their Amazon package got it with a sticker of us on it saying, you know what you are getting. <laughs> wow. Last week we, we did something very nice. We put on the billboard on the highway, main highway in, in Israel, we put a picture of the Minister of Education with his mobile phone number, with his actual mobile phone number, saying, you know, he's so proud about what he was doing, this failing uh, clown. Give him a call, tell him what you think about his work. <laughs> and did you hear from him uh, if he got any calls? He tried to call us, but his line was busy most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, Omri, can I can I ask you honestly? What is your it, it, obviously? It, it, it's very funny what you're saying, and there's obviously a strong element of truth to what you're saying about your party and your role in the um, in the politics of the area. But what what is the aim for your party? Like when you get to this fourth election day in two years, what what will you be happy with with the result? Uh, well, there is a bar that underneath it, we won't get into the parliament, which is four seats. And if we will get into the parliament, that would be a huge victory for me. It's uh, it's very pity for me to say, because, you know, we are supposed to be much more uh, dominant, but uh, it is very um, middle Asian times and a very dark era. And we are hoping at least to get into to the parliament in order to show the alternative. Omri, what are the uh, like? What's the what's the main issue? Do you think that you wish your party could could connect with? Like in Australia, for instance, like climate change is a baffling one. It, it, all centre parties, all right parties, everyone, no one wants to do anything about climate change. The only people who want to do it are the the sort of further left parties. What's what's that sort of issue for you? Well, I know where we are standing about uh, climate change, but this is because we are the only party that actually published a political platform with our ideas. Hmm. So uh, I'm, I can't really tell you in comparison. The topics, you know, it's a fourth round of elections, so I don't really expect to change anyone's mind. It's very identity politics is very dominant and people knows exactly what they are. Uh, in favor of and and everybody minds is very set so my goal right now is just to keep my audience motivated and to try and and bite the other sides on on painful places uh, so they would uh, to kind of like to get some new audiences but it's going to be marginal the amount of new audiences that we will get 
Have you thought about red hats with the text, make <laughs> Israel reasonable again? Oh, yeah. Funny you're asking, but we did open a merchandising store with our with products because our goal is to do something very emotional. So we did nice uh, socks with the uh, one of them is written on it left and on the other one is written not left. <laughs> and we did one a condom with our logo on it saying you will feel us for sure and we did an umbrella <laughs> saying this is not rain what you are having all kinds of you know things like that how, how does it feel to know that there's a whole political party looking to you to come up with ideas so that you know that they can get into parliament have you uh, how do you feel about that it's it's hard actually it's quite uh I would prefer to discuss serious topics in depth and to have uh, serious discussions, but it became such a circus that you kind of like you need to stand out. Um, but you should check out our uh, Zoom call uh, advertisement of cats because obviously left-wing liberals, they love cats. So we did a Zoom call of cats trying to explain why you should vote for our party. (laughs) And I'm quite depressed because I would really like to have a serious political uh, issues uh, on the table and have a discussion uh, about it. But unfortunately, that's not the situation. Omri, I've never heard of a political party having a creative director. What's your background? Where were you before you were with this party? Well, it's uh, it, I'm the creative director for the campaign. I'm not a creative ah, director for the party, okay. but it's a double campaign for me. It's my first one and my last one. <laughs> I'm a comedy writer in my background, but I'm doing many other stuff like uh, um, developing TV formats uh, all around the world in, in dating shows in China and game shows in India. And I'm doing a lot of projects with a very um, dominant uh, Australian uh, a comedian named Dan Illich, which <laughs> I've heard is very popular down under. Um, oh, I'm so popular. We've got 10 people viewing the, uh, the live stream right now, Omri. <laughs> ten, people, 10 people have chosen to tune in to this conversation. Yeah, no, you can tell them about the crazy shit that we've done together, done uh, uh, like Trump impersonators, uh, a conference in uh, South Bay, or the other stuff that we did, or Rose to the United States that we did with the writers of The Simpsons and Family Guy and some other crazy stuff. It's part of our uh, writer. Omri is Omri is this magical convener of comedians in a global space. He's Omri invited me to this conference in New York City when I was working in America, uh, and I said, "Oh yeah, I'll go. I'll prepare a little presentation about comedy and com- and how comedy can change I- people's minds and blah blah blah." I've got that presentation. I do it lots of different places. I'll probably go present it to two hundred people, get a sandwich, and go home. And I turned up, and it wasn't 200 people. It was 30 people in this boardroom. And those 30 people were the presenters and showrunners of every uh, Tonight Show around the world that was very similar like John Oliver. And I was like, holy shit, this isn't, this isn't like some jerks turning up to hear somebody talk about comedy. This is like this is like the power players of comedy. I was like, I was completely blown away. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing in this room? <laughs> Dan, Dan, there's a reason he didn't tell you that it was going to be all those people from all those uh, popular uh, comedy news shows because your brain would have exploded and you would have had a small stroke beforehand. So it was actually in your best interest and your welfare not to Did tell you. Did you get a sandwich, though, Dan? 
Uh, we did we did have some lovely sandwiches. Thank you, Omri, for that. <laughs> hey, Omri, can I ask? We our Labor Party. You've you've talked about the problems of Labor parties across the world. Our Labor Party here, uh, our federal Labor Party, suffers from a few issues uh, with its. Uh, with its image and uh, with a lack of sense of humour about itself and, and a bunch of other things. What do we have to pay you to come out here and sort out the promotion of the Australian Labor Party? Wow. Uh, since, you know, you are on the other side of the world and right now to jump on a plane, that would be the challenge. But <laughs> I think if you have done, I think Dan knows everything that I know. Uh, and he's one of the most creative people that I know. As as, as the head of the fan club of Dan in Israel, uh, I think they okay. can use services. Okay, Omri, so now I'm working this out. So we don't have a picture of you here. We just have a graphic. Are you sure you're not Dan Illich doing an accent with a, re- with a recording of his voice just praising him across a 12-minute interview? Uh, well, I, I can uh, confirm no denial. <laughs> Well, that is, I think we should wrap it up there. That is it for Rational Fear. Big thank you to all of our guests. Thank you, Omri Marcus from Israel, Emily Johnson from TikTok, Lewis Hobber from, where are you from, Lewis? The radio. The radio. Declan Fay from Podcast Renowned. Um, do you guys have anything to plug? Declan, would you like to plug anything? Um, no, well, uh, yeah, I mean, every white guy says this every day, every few minutes, but please <laughs> listen to my podcast. It's called The Sweetest Plum, or if you like fiction podcasts, I wrote one last year called Crossbred about a Christian hip-hop group that kind of blows up. Um, have a listen to that. I I like that. That's my favourite thing that I've it's written. It's a really fun, excellent narrative comedy podcast. Emily Johnson, what would you like to plug? I mean, I guess you can follow me on TikTok if you have TikTok. How do I delete one? I'm always uh, responding to filthy racist comments um, with skits or something hilarious, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> and Omri, what, do, what would you like to plug? Well, okay, vote for Merit. Oh, and I want to say to my family in Australia that uh, we are waiting for you over here. Uh, the Givoni family in Melbourne. <laughs> Well, you're going to have to wait till they get the vaccine, then I'm sure they'll fly over. Lewis Hobber, you got anything to plug? I feel like uh, I should plug my radio show since you forgot uh, what I do every day. It's uh, on Triple J. It's called Hobber and Hing. You can follow us on Instagram at not Hobber and Hing official. Um, Dan, if you'd ever like to listen, that's what I, that's where I am when I'm not here. Uh, I dip in and out. It's, it's marvellous. Thank you to Road Mikes, the birth of foundation, Jake and Round on the Tapinyaki timeline. This episode of Rational Fear has bits and pieces contributed to bite by Rupert Dagos, Bronwyn Morgan, Killian David, Amanda Buckley, Ads, Pete Lawler, Sheepy and everyone else in our Discord server. Until next week, there's always something to be scared of. Good night. This episode of Irrational Fear is brought to you by Michaelia Cash's Dobbin a Dole Bludger Hotline. If you know someone who is earning hard-earned money from taxpayers and is refusing to do their job, just call 1-800-DOLE-BLUDGER. Hello? Is that the hotline to Dobbin a Bludger? Yes. I'd like to Dobbin a Bludger. Yes, go on. Daryl. Daryl who? I think we need some more information. Daryl, the guy I sacked last week after the JobKeeper thing ended. Mm. I offered him his job back at half pay for three hours a fortnight and the bugger refused. Is Daryl on JobSeeker? Dunno. Was he applying for the job? Well, I reckon he would if I advertised it. You haven't advertised the job then? Nah, then the tax department would know. Right. So what are you going to do about it? You're going to ring him and tell him that he should take it or what? Uh, maybe, uh, could I have your full name and contact oh, number? Oh, shit. Click. To hang up, you actually need to press the red button, not say click. Oh, thanks. 1-800-DOLE-BLUDGER. Because there's nothing more Australian than dobbing in your mates.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.